Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Friday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. I'm sure Israel here with Joel Conan and Dennis Dick. We got a big show today. So I mentioned yesterday we're taking Monday and Tuesday off. That makes today our last show of the year. And we're going out with a bang. How many guests do we have today? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six guests lined up today. We're going to be joined at various points by J.C. Perez, who's the author of All Star Charts, Christian Fromhertz from Tribeca Trade Group, Anne-Marie Band from TheTradingBook.com, Dan Foreman from Olive Tree Financial, Kenny Glick from HitTheBid.com, and if all goes well, our CEO, Jason Raznick, to close out the year. So a lot to get to. On today's show, we're going to get from some picks and some pans from each of those guests and uh, send the year off with a bang. Joel, uh, tell us what's going on here in the overnight session. Oh, Spencer, do, do you need to ask, where do you, do you think the S&Ps are red or green? I bet you they're green. They're green by seven and three quarters handles. Really strong close uh, yesterday. We closed at uh, all-time high at uh, 43.50, and now we are trading up seven and a half handles. Pre-market highs, 53.75. We've been averaging about 20 handles. So let's call 32.61.50 your target on the upside. On a pullback, uh, mid-range on the session worked yesterday, 47.50. If you're looking to buy a little bit of a pullback, Crude working on $62, up four cents at 61.73, 61.96, the current high. Gold and silver going opposite directions. Gold up a buck ten at 15, 15 and a half. Silver down seven cents at 17.92. Bitcoin down the futures down ten dollars at seven thousand two hundred and ninety. Triple D, how are you doing? Uh, on um. Well, it's not the last day of the year, but uh, the last day, last show of the year. Uh, doing not bad. Uh, took last night off. I don't take a lot of okay. nights off, but we had a Christmas party, so I did not trade last night. So I can't tell you too much about the after hours action from experience, but I can tell you from my filters here this morning what is moving here this morning. Uh, this is going to be one of those days where you're seeing continuing movement from the move from the moves we had yesterday amazon huge huge move oh. yesterday. yeah you know what it was sitting it was perched it was ready to go i wish it had been on the show yesterday because there was a couple stocks that were on my list that and rite aid and they both broke out and amazon up 78 points from where it was at this time yesterday morning this is an incredible run for amazon it's back we did not need to because we looked at all those highs at 1800 nice. and uh, also uh, Spencer was preaching about online sales uh, being the best in, you know, who's the king of online sales, Amazon, and uh, finally broke out of its slumber, cleared that 1800 What it had, like 80 bucks yesterday. Unreal. And, uh, Big, huge you know, day. Man. It's the biggest day it's had in a long time. Yep. So let's see. We're trading up in the pre-market. A little bit of a stall here. I don't know if someone's taking some profits at this level, but I'll just give you the pre-market high in this one. And that pre-market high is 1882.50. So real close to it. Use that. Why not see 1900 today, right? After going up Why not? yesterday. Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? I agree, Joel. I think, um, you know, this is one of those. We're 20 points away from here. It's hard to chase moves, but really, when you look at Amazon, this is the first day of the move. I mean, it's a huge move, so I don't think you're going to get a shot at 1850. Uh, I'm not saying this is you know you got to go jump and throw this in your vest portfolio right away. Maybe you'll get a little pullback here, but 
I mean, in the case of like, and this is obviously a completely different story here, but, you know, we've seen some runs continue. This Rite Aid move is absolutely oh, incredible. Um, I couldn't be on the show yesterday morning. I had a travel day in the morning and then a Christmas party in the afternoon. Uh, but I uh, did text Spencer and the one stock. So if I, I read my text for, to Spencer yesterday and I hope Spencer and you guys talked about the Rite Aid, but um, I, I sent him three stocks, you know, to talk about this morning. And I said, talk about the short squeeze and the potential short squeeze in Rite Aid because I think it continues. And here you are, Rite Aid unbelievable from where it was yesterday morning $16 21.92 it's up another three points this is if we write a textbook on short squeezes or if we write a textbook on trading and we have a page on short squeezes this stock will be the stock for short squeeze textbook definition of a short squeeze we had the gap and go from earnings shorts getting their faces ripped off what's the short interest now in this thing spencer uh 20 just under 27 percent Shorts of the nightmare here. So if you're wondering what's happened, why is Rite Aid taking off? This is what a short squeeze is all about. Maybe some people are anticipating, oh, it's been weak. We'll have a little tax loss selling at the end of the year. Not to be had. The earnings gap and go. Gapped up on earnings day up to 10.99. What has it done since then? It's doubled in five and a half trading days. Trading now at 22.09 in the pre-market. It's up almost another three points. This is an this is an awesome example of a classic short squeeze. It will end badly, but I'm telling you right now, I'd be really puking if I was short. Yeah, and I was asking you about it. Like, uh, you know, what would you do if you were long? I mean, obviously, if I was wrong, average boy, I gave you credit yesterday here. And I gave, I gave like a five-minute spiel to you yesterday, average boy. He's been talking about this one for a long time. Like, first of all, if I was long, I would have been out a long time ago. Yeah, me too. Let's say you had your last hundred shares. Uh, you know, what Bring would up you... your trailing stops. Yeah, that's true. We haven't even had, no, there has been no down day, and it's made a new high every single day. I mean, Tesla did this to obviously on a lot smaller scale, but we've seen the same thing with Tesla almost every day too. Continues to make a high every single day. Wait till it stops making a new high, maybe. I mean, Tesla's up another five points here today. So why, you know, poo-poo on the party here? Maybe you wait until it doesn't make a new high. Or you have a reversal day where the stock, you know, opens higher and then closes red. So I would say I want to see one of two things. As a seller, I want to see the stock give back all its gains one day and not make a new high. I mean, this thing just keeps flying. Although Rite Aid feels very overextended here now. So I think there's going to be, you know, I, I think you're going to get a red candle here either today or tomorrow. It kind of feels like it's almost upside capitulation right now. I mean, maybe you get 22.15, 22.18. Maybe, you know, you open 22, maybe you open at 23. Maybe you run up to 24 and then you come back down through the open. That could be a test there too. But it's so hard to call tops on this. It's so hard to, to short the rocket ships. I've lost a lot of money trying to short a chart like this. That's why I'm hands off. Nah. Not going to try to call the top, although I feel like if you're chasing it now, now you're asking for trouble. All right, Abner's boy. Oh, he's going to use a trailing stop to get out. I want to know his target. It's not a bad idea. Bring him up. I mean, you're rocking and rolling. You're you're the beneficiary of a classic short squeeze here. This isn't a fundamental, like Rite Aid isn't all of a sudden turning around and going to take, you know, CVS and WBA down. This is your classic short squeeze. Uh, getting a shout out from France here, uh, Alan. Shout out from France. So nice. We are worldwide domination here. Uh, Middle of the afternoon over there. Yeah. How's the trading day going over? How's there? the market close? That's oh, that's one o'clock over there. <laughs> yeah, this should be about one o'clock in the middle of the trading day over there. So, um, can we do an earnings preview on BLIN? Uh, they report after the close today. Uh, Dennis, I want to focus. What stock? Stop. What stock? B-L-I-N. Bridgeline Digital? Yes. I've never heard of this stock before. They report after the close today. That's the only stock that reports? I've never traded this. If you found one that I've never heard of before. There's not a lot of stocks that I've never traded before. I don't think I've ever traded this stock. I'm just looking at out now at the longer term chart. I can see why. It had its little uh, IPO or, or came public. It looks like they're... Just about well, the financial there. crisis. Yeah. yeah, or actually, Before. just over in, in April, and it's been straight down ever since. So I guess it never, uh, you know, it's been trading on the dollar range. I mean, 
it, it, it's trading up. Had a pretty good candle there yesterday. <laughs> well, the question is, but it's a dollar eighty-four. They're reporting their earnings at, uh, on a Friday of a holiday. What is essentially a holiday weekend? Is anybody uh, even going to be paying attention? How bad is it going to be? <laughs> is, is, is the point? Or is it gonna, nobody's going to pay attention to it at all? Um, Do we have any that? The classic. Hey, look. You know, if you're buying this thing, I don't trade dollar stocks usually very often, but dollar sixty-six again. Why do I tell everyone you know on the show so often? You often see stocks that have a little run up ahead of the earnings. Well, here we had a little nice little <laughs> candle yesterday, a little candle here today too. Well, twenty cents on a one-dollar stock—that's not a bad little earnings run up it's had. <laughs> so probably room to two bucks, and then obviously depends on the earnings. Uh, let's see here. Are we getting news on our RH here? I am seeing it trading lower. There is a little oh, bit of volume it. associated with it. Yeah, there, uh, there was news after, there was after the close yesterday. They announced uh, the S and P Dow Jones indices announced that RH is going to replace um, what, what's the ticker there? A GWR in the S and P mid cap four hundred. These these are so hard to trade now. These you know S and P ads, and it depends all on how many shares are being sold or added. Because when they're coming from one index and going to the next index, sometimes there's actually a net sell that's got to happen, and that's why sometimes you see these stocks trade down. Like it used to always be, stock gets added to the S and P, and this is the 400, but stock gets added to the S and P 500, it automatically went up three to five percent. That is okay. not the case anymore. Yeah. Sometimes no. they go down. So it's, you've got to just know the net balance to buy or sell, basically, because they're coming from one index to the next, and that impacts it. In this case, it's obviously not good because RH is trading down 6 bucks. So if I was trading RH, you got one level, one level only to look on, 216.06. Bulls are still in control as long as the stock stays above 216.06. Takes that out, then it's a slippery slope down to 200 bucks. Uh, and you're going to your daily low there of uh, I use Joel Alconan. I, I use my little uh, you know, Shh, don't tell everybody. Okay, okay, I'm not going to give away your secrets, but all right, 19. That was taught to me by the Mr. Joel Alconan. Very simple technical analysis. No, it's trading down. I, the only thing I can say is we bounced off the same area three times uh, two, 220. 220.30, 220.50. That's just kind of a loose number here. But uh, after that, Dennis talks about it. Great run. How much is how much is that stock up um, for the year? Oh, it's had an awesome year. So yeah. if you look, 2019, we started. Actually, you know what? It's not up as much as some of the other. It's still a pretty good year. But if you go to the weeklies here, we actually started around 100. Well, still a pretty good year. Around yeah. 120 bucks. And you had that dip back down in the summer. I don't remember why. Why was the stock dipping in the summer? Uh, it dollars. It might have been a might have been an earnings report. No, no, but it kind of leaked, leaked, leaked for a while. There it was out of favor there for a little while. Then it turned around and just ran. Hmm. They out of favor for a while until they until they aren't. This bull market eventually rising tide lifts all ships. Well, this one really lifted, and after we got up, made new highs just in October, we've been off to the races ever since. Uh, asking about the TLT here, a trader headache. Can you guys look at the TLT sure. and trade it? How do you use it? Use it every uh, day. Use more of, yeah, as uh, an indicator for banks. I mean, yeah. they don't think rates are going, uh, you know, going down. Rates are steady. I've been in a trading range, came down from the 142 area. I say major support. Uh, at the 134 and a half, 135 area. Dennis, I know you like. Yeah, I'm going to say that's support. And I use this as an indicator when I'm trading the utilities, REITs, banks. Those are the ones that TLT impacts the most. So when you see the TLT trading significantly higher, you automatically assume that's probably pretty good for your REITs, probably pretty good for utilities. If you see it, and that's not good for your banks. Your banks usually move opposite to this. You know, typically, and if you look, you know, that trend does hold because if you look at the utilities as of late, they haven't really been participating in this recent rally in the S&Ps, uh, where if you look at the banks, they have, and TLT is a little bit to do with that. TLT, it's, it's, there has been a lot of movement in TLT, so it hasn't had as much impact on the markets at all. I mean, really, when you look at over the last month, we've moved, what, three bucks, three and a half bucks. It's not like you've had these big movements, but some days you come in, you see the TLT ripping three points, you're like, uh-oh. You know, that's not good for the banks here this morning. So, and obviously that's an impact and it's just giving you the indication of what rates are doing. So that's what I use the TLT. I basically use it when I'm trading my banks, trading my utilities, my REITs, those go opposite direction. All right. It is just about to be 8.15. Let's bring on uh, our first guest of the day, JC Perez. He's the founder of All Star Charts. He's also a chartered market technician. JC, good morning. 
Good morning, gentlemen. How's how's the year treating you so far? Or I guess the year's uh, over. How's the year treating you? <laughs> it was had the best year of my life. There's no question about it. Best year I ever had in my whole life. I, I, saw, I, I saw you moved back east. Is that right? Yep. Uh, you know, if you guys recall, I mean, you, you, and, you guys and us, we've been doing this uh, on these radio programs for how many years now? And um, I used to be in New York. I was there for 15 years. And uh, we had a, a two-year plan to be in California. It turned into four and a half. So I milked it as long as I could. Uh, we're back. It's exciting to be back. And um, I mean, just a killer year across the board for the firm, for my family. Um, you know, we're back in New York and ready to kick off the new decade. And uh, I, I, I can't think of anybody I'd rather be talking to you than you guys. There we go. All right, all right, JC. We've asked you here for a uh, a bullish and a bearish pick for 2020. Let's start with uh, a bullish pick. Give us something, a really good bullish idea for 2020. I think Amazon goes up 50%. Whoa! Oh! Hey, so I <laughs> liked that candle yesterday. I think JC liked that candle yesterday. <laughs> well, if you guys have been, if you guys uh, have been reading uh, the blog and been opening up the emails, approximately ten days ago, uh, we sent out a note said flip the book long Amazon and add to the position. If we get above two thousand, we're going to three thousand. And um, I mean, obviously, the candle uh, this week obviously, uh, you know, helped and, add, you know, added validity to our thesis, of course. Um, but I can't say that I'm surprised by it. So and the year of Amazon, I mean, and, and you're obviously mostly technical here, but I mean, this has been a sleep. A hundred percent. A hundred percent technical. All technically, he doesn't really like the fundamentals, but uh, this has been a sleeping giant for a long time. I mean, we've seen the rest of Fang. Facebook's kind of had a pretty good run here. Google's had a pretty decent run. I mean, if you go outside Fang, you say Apple. Amazon's just been sleepy, sleepy, sleepy. So you think maybe the sleeping giant has awoken? Well, for us, we basically deconstructed the market and basically backdoored this trade. And what that means to me is we have a very bullish thesis for equities overall, not just U.S. equities, but global equities. I am a firm believer that we're near the beginning of a new bull market and not near the end of an old one, like the majority of market participants feel, right? So I think that's part of the sentiment that I think unwinds moving forward. So if we have a very bullish thesis on the overall market, then in my opinion and in my, by my work, consumer discretionary has to at least participate. You're not going to get a ripper in the market um, or a continued ripper for that matter without participation of discretionaries. We're just not going to see discretionaries falling apart with the overall market ripping. Now, when you look at what's inside discretionaries, Amazon represents over 22%. After yesterday, it's probably closer to 23%, right? Um, so the way I see it, if the market overall is going up big time, I think, uh, discretionaries have to at least participate. And if discretionaries are going up, Amazon's not going to be crashing. It's a quarter of the entire sector. So by default, Amazon has to go a lot higher, right? So it's almost like a deconstructed reverse engineered trade that led us to this Amazon, and then I'm sitting there, and we love the stock, you know, the whole team, and then I'm talking to our options desk. You guys know Sean McLaughlin, and he's like, JC, with volatility so low, we got to buy the July 2000 strikes, right? It was about 59 bucks at the time. Obviously, that's doing very well. So, you know, whether you're in the equities, whether you're in the options, you know, whatever it is, and, and, and again, while it's great to own Amazon, and I do think Amazon does very well, let's remember what brought us here in the first place is the fact that we think stocks do very, very well and consumer discretionaries participate. So whether you own Amazon or not, I think it's part of a bigger picture thesis, which I think is important to recognize. We're on the line with JC Peretz. He's the founder of All Star Charts, joining us here on the final show of the year. JC, I know one thing that uh, keeps you in the business is looking at both sides of the market, right? Being able to go long and short, I mean, not everything, Fair, goes, yeah, not everything goes up in a bull mark. What is your pan for 2020? I'm thinking we sell bonds. I think, I think rates go to 3%. Um, I tell people that. They think I'm crazy. 
I read the Barons uh, Roundtable. Uh, I think it was like maybe two Saturdays back. There wasn't a single person on the Barons Roundtable who felt that U.S. 10-year goes above 2.2%. Um, so I think that the consensus trade, um, I was talking with Jeremy Siegel, uh, Warden uh, Economist, last week. Again, he didn't think we go above 2%. You know, so I just don't see the positioning right now uh, on anybody betting on tens going back to 3%. I do. And then when you look at the commercial hedgers position, okay, which I think this is very, very important. So if I lose you guys, uh, uh, stop me and I'll try to explain it further. So we look at the commitment of traders report, right? This is the COT comes out from by the CFTC. Commercial hedgers have never been more long of copper futures in history, right? They've never had a, a bigger net long position, number one. Number two, they have never had a bigger net short position in gold futures, right? So commercial hedgers, biggest net long position in copper, biggest net short position ever in gold, right? And then when you overlay a chart of the copper gold ratio, over the U.S. 10-year yield, they look exactly the same. So what that means to me is that indirectly, commercial hedgers have the biggest net long interest rates position of all time. And I don't want to get in front of that train. We think rates go up. I think that's good for banks and you fade bonds. Is that good for the market, though? I mean, the whole thing. I think so. You do. So. We're kind of going against conventional wisdom here. Rates going Who's up. conventional wisdom? Who's conventional wisdom? Well, when rising interest rates attracts money from the stock market is people going to, you know, save for investments. So, I mean. No, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. If rates are going up, bonds are going down. Right. So you think rates are going I'm talking about the market, the overall market. Right. So if, exactly. So if rates are going up, Bonds are going down, money's coming out of the bond market and going into the stock market. I think it's good for financials. I think financials start to outperform for the first time in a while. And I think, the, I think what you're going to see is sympathy selling in higher dividend-paying areas like utilities, like REITs, like consumer staples. And I think that rotation out of those higher dividend-paying areas, which was doing really well in the first half of the year, as you recall, as rates were getting slammed, People were like, well, you know, super bullish stocks in the summer. And they're like, well, JC, you know, the only sectors making new highs are the, you know, the, the defensive areas like REITs and UTES and staples. And I'm like, well, number one, those aren't the only areas because technology was also making new all-time highs. Consumer discretionary was very close. And communications, which 40% of is Facebook and Google, were also close to new all-time highs. So I wasn't buying the defensive rotation that I was hearing in the summer. My argument was that those areas were outperforming because interest rates were getting slammed. So it was more of an interest rate story than it was defensive rotation. And the market obviously proved that thesis to be incredibly correct. So I think that continues. And yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, a, a year from now, you guys and myself are having this conversation, uh, which we probably will, <laughs> based on our history. And uh, it wouldn't shock me one bit uh, if we're approaching 3%. I'm not saying that we're going to get to 3, uh, you know, 12 months from now, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me. All right, J.C. Peretz, founder of All-Star Charts. J.C., have a great rest of your year. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you again in 2020. Yeah, Happy New Year, guys. Thanks for having me. Love you guys. All right, have a good one, JC. All right, so JC, bullish Amazon, bearish rates, uh, and I guess bearish TLT. Oh, bullish rates. Bearish. Uh, I'm sorry, bullish rates, yes. Uh, and, uh, okay, so... Eight, not, oh, yeah. we're going right to our next no, one No, not, not yet, not yet. We have one minute in between. We've got one minute and 18. Uh, does any talk on, uh, any comments on rates? If we think, you know, rates are going higher and you think there's going to be a rotation, you know, potentially out of utilities, which I kind of am on the same side, at least yep. in the rotation perspective. I mean, I just like the defensive aspect of it. If you think you're going to be in this huge rip roar in bull market in 2020, which I could be on that, on that train, I haven't totally decided yet. Then you think, okay, well, look at the XLU. Look at all these highs we've had in the XLU at 65 bucks. I mean, here we are at 64 um it's almost near the highs here it's not a bad setup to draw on a short if you think you know if you really think you know equities are going higher here and if you think and if you if you think rates are going higher then that can't be good for xlu and yeah. 
that's why you look at here and you're thinking, oh, you can get it from a buck from the high here right now on a short trade. It's not a bad setup if you have that thesis. Right. So if I, uh, you know, if, if this is from stock hands, if inflation creeps up, the Fed's going to start raising rates. And would, it's good for some equities and bad for others. Yeah, I don't think the Fed's going to be raised in the short term. Neither do I. Obviously, JC's talking rates, and you know they don't control the long. They're going they nowhere. The They're going. I don't think rates are going that much higher here either, and that's why I'm still playing equities as well. Yeah. Um, so it's a tricky trade. I mean, to just you know call on where rates are going to go from here, but I mean from the from the Fed perspective, they're not raising rates anytime soon. No, not in my opinion. I, 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 spooked. I mean, the Fed, they saw what they yeah, did. Yeah, look what happened year. with... Uh, like one year ago. We were in happened. Yeah, when they because tried they to raise it, it uh, just a little bit. Look yeah, what oh, yeah, the market saw. Everyone freaked out. The economy, everyone. They're spooked to raise rates. Yeah, yeah. They, so they're too so it's hard. Now, and the long, obviously, you know, is, is, is a little bit out of the Fed's control, but it's still the short-term impacts it a lot. So I don't see short-term rates here coming up anytime soon. All right, still waiting for Christian Fromhurst, our, our next guest, to join uh -oh. us. So let's just, it's okay, it's okay. We got Christian, a lot. where are you? He re he's got to be there. He just retweeted my tweet. We got a lot going on today, nonetheless. So it's okay. We, we, Christian's we, coming. We have factored this in, or I factored this into the you schedule. You know what, he so might don't be a little messed up because we usually do 835. We're usually 835. Yeah, we're, we're throwing him a little bit of a, a, a curveball here. But uh, let's okay, – uh, You said you were prepared, though, Spencer. What now? I, I'm Joel. Uh, Nine Joel. minutes of silence. Dennis, I'm always prepared. I'm always <laughs> prepared. Uh, I'm prepared whether it's just me and Joel, whether it's me and you, whether it's just me, which uh, is thankfully never. And for for a lot of people have been asking this, uh, there is going to be no shows on Monday, Tuesday, and I'm giving uh, Dennis and Spencer Wednesday off. Oh, thanks. We'll, we'll, we'll see how we feel on Thursday, right, if we can uh, make it back here. So it looks yeah. like the next show is going to be Thursday. The reason for that is half the Benzinga office, I believe, <laughs> on vacation here. Yeah. So I said I would do a show. I could do it. But they didn't trust me to run the technology. And I don't trust that, me. That's, cor that, that's correct. That's 100%. So they're correct. like, no, you're not going to do the show because you won't be able to run this. And I was like, eh, I probably can't. You're right. <laughs> Uh, all right, so what we're going to do is take a quick break and call Christian ourselves, do it the other way. So we'll be, sure. we'll be right back in a moment. I'm going to grab Christian from Hertz. All right, uh, I think we've got Christian from Hertz here. Uh, let me see if I get him on the line. Christian, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Good. How about yourself? Uh, very well. Happy Friday. I can't believe it's Friday. These always these holiday weeks kind, of, kind yeah. of screw me up. Yep. Yeah. Weird yep. week with, with, with the Wednesday off and I guess same for next week too. So Christian, uh, let's get a bullish idea for 2020. So bullish idea for 2020. I'm going to go long emerging markets through EEM. EEM. Okay. Tell I like that. you, Christian. I like this. <laughs> EEM and long, it's got to be, and I have the Canadian equivalent because I'm Canadian, but the Canadian equivalent of it, I, it's one of the largest positions in my long-term portfolio. Okay, I nice. I been so, sleeping for 10 years. I think it's going to be a catch-up trade here eventually. So here's a question for you guys because I know you guys like to do trivia, and it's, I think it's uh -huh. Friday, which is where you guys usually do uh, the, the trivia. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Hot potato. Hot potato. Trivia. Oh, <laughs> What are the top five holdings of EEM? Uh, so now, so this is tricky because yeah. they've changed the holdings over time. Like it used to be like years ago, you would pull up the holdings of EEM and it's like, oh, geez, I don't, I don't even know these names or, you know, I'm not familiar with these names. But I think if you, if you look at the top five and you don't have to name all five, I will, I will take three out of five. It's, it's tough here. You know why? That's, that's a tough question. People waited. Uh, FXI I could do because FXI is loaded up with <laughs> Alibaba, but FXI is not equal weighted. EM, okay, I wait. believe most of those ratings are like 1.7, 1.8%. I don't know what, and they obviously move because they don't rebalance all the time, but I believe, am I correct saying EM is equal weighted? Uh, EM is market cap weighted. It's, oh, it is market. It is market cap rate. It is market cap weighted. So that so that's a good that's that qualifies for you know for okay. for one of your I, questions. I, I I have one. I don't know if it's right though because it doesn't <laughs> trade on uh, on a, a U.S. exchange. But uh, is Tencent one of them? 
Tencent is, let's see, what is that's number two. So that oh, yeah. okay. that's okay. I'm in there. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. He's, he went after the, the slam dunk one. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Well played. That's All Jeremy right. Newsom's. Uh, he believes that's going to be the most valuable company in the world someday. Wait, okay. So if I can go back to EEM for a second, though, Christian, yes. uh, and not just the whole. Is he going to give us the other four? Or is he going to hold? No, we got to guess two more. Yeah, I got, you guys each each guess once. <laughs> is Alibaba in there? Alibaba's number one. There you go. So we got one, two. Joel, you're you're, you're in trouble. Uh, now. The pressure's on. Um, <laughs> Baidu. Baidu is probably good, in here. Good guess. But it's a good guess. It's not top five. All right, so I'll give you the, the a couple of the other names, sure. right? So Petrobras. Petrobras. No, no, it's not. It's not top South five. America. Oh, thanks, Brent. So you got Alibaba number one. <laughs> you got Tencent number two. Taiwan Semiconductor is number three. Oh, we should have thought of TSM. And another chip name out of South Korea. I'll give you a hint. Samsung. Yeah, there you go, Sam, right, Samsung, right. and then you got a China bank in there for number five. But the the point is with this is these are names that you know, right? So it's not like emerging markets. Oh, geez, I don't know if I want to get long because I don't know these names. You know, a lot of these names you're you're going to know, and if you go down the list, there's a few more that are in there, like valets in there and so forth. So I think it's um you know besides knowing those names and and knowing that they're kind of that they're the leader in both tech semiconductors. I like this this as a as you said catch up trade for for the year, and um, you've got some strong names and and you know when you break apart those the individual names which I always like to do with an ETF like I never like to just go long an ETF um, just because the name or so forth I always like to go through the constituents of it and say do I really want to go long Alibaba yep Alibaba Tencent uh, Taiwan Semi. Uh, as well as Samsung, and, and I think it's a great uh, it's a great place to be in catch up trade. Again, as long as interest rates are kind of low, too, that kind of helps the situation with emerging markets as well. Uh, Dennis, uh, Brad has a bone to pick to you with you. He says Brazil is an emerging market. Is it in part of the EM? I always think of the emerging EM as mostly China, though. So you're probably right. Like obviously, it's got it is uh, Brazil is in is definitely in here. Okay. All right. So All right, when I trade EEM, I always look at what China's doing, and it often follows that. So maybe that's when EEM deviates from FXI. Maybe it's South, South America. Yeah, China's thirty percent of the ETF. Uh, Taiwan eleven percent. South Korea. Then you've got India, Brazil, South Africa. How much is Brazil? Brazil is seven and a half percent. Seven and a half. So okay. you get some energy exposure in there too. Gotcha. Materials. Okay, Brentster, you never argue with Brentster. He knows. Never that. argue with Brentster. That's oh, he's listening in. Brent, can you say hi? Are you on? Do we have him on? Hey, 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 hey Brent, what's up? He's got his own mic. He's mic'd up over there on the news desk. Yeah, Brent. Well, when he wants to be. When I want to be. I'm on. Dennis, you be on the show more often. You Dennis, I'm always. He listening. is. That's gonna be a new feature in 2020. Yeah, the breaking Brent, news. Brentster the... popping with the breaking news. I, hey, I'm always on. I love doing that. So. All right, wait. So before Christian, we got your, your long idea. What about your short idea? So short idea. So when I when I read the email yesterday, looking Spencer was looking for my my best my best okay. worst idea. Okay. And I phrased it poorly. I, I I'll admit that. <laughs> best idea but I was think I was like, oh my god, this is a George Costanza type. They're going to George <laughs> Costanza trade me. This is on a roller <laughs> I phrased it poorly. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't have like a huge short idea. I would say GameStop, even though that's a, that's a really Ooh, low price stock. You know, I always go to like names that are in downtrends, names that I think are going to have a really tough time for the year. So even though it's a really low price stock, I have to say <laughs> GameStop is on the list of like names that could possibly go out of business. Does Rite Aid scare you though? When you put right. GameStop, <laughs> like the this the short squeeze. Oh, short absolutely. Squeeze Rite Aid, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the short interest in Rite Aid was like twenty eight percent. It is. It still is. There, yeah. it's only twenty seven. So only one percent of covered. They're still puking. <laughs> and what is it in GameStop? What is it in GameStop, Spence? Uh, the short interest. Let's find out. I think it's like a hundred percent. I don't even have it. It's probably high. I don't have it. It's got uh, it. Probably high. Probably higher than. Let's say higher than twenty-five. Just to be. I safe. don't have. Are you looking it up? Are you just guessing? Be, I I don't I don't have. I'm guessing. I don't have it. I'm just I'm guessing. But you usually can look that up pretty fast. Let me look up. Yeah, but my my information. I, I don't know how this could be right, but I do see hundred and twelve percent of the flow. I have sixty-seven. 
Uh, Is that right? 67 wow. that, 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 that sounds reasonable. When it gets this I, high, I, they don't even I, I believe that. Calculate it. It's I, high. So just remember, Rite Aid can have, but I don't think in this case is nothing looking technically. When you get that big green candle the first day, that's when you cover. <laughs> right. Agreed. So, so the float is like 59 million shares, so two-thirds of that is so short? Eesh. It sounds like it, yeah. There's a lot of people betting on it. A GameStop demise. They're betting against Michael Burry. All right. Yeah, you're going against Michael Burry there of the big short, or are you just looking at the uh, the balance sheet? I, you know, just I'm just trying to come up with a, with okay. a short idea. So, <laughs> that, that, that's, Dr. That's J fair. says 116 percent too. So I don't know where my sources. Christian, we've either had, way, it's really really high. So your only risk here is that squeeze happens. But I just, you know, what one thing is when you trade these things, and I know we got to go to our next guest, but. You know, you got to consider the January effect here, too. Do you put that in your trading there, Christian? You know, the dogs that have been sold here at the end of the year maybe show a little bit of life for the first week or two in January. Do you use any seasonality in your trading? I do. I think that, you know, that's that's one of the ones, you know, that uh, kind of given a look at, you know, a few of the names. And I think we're, we're definitely seeing that with this market the last couple of weeks, right? We're seeing a lot of the underperformers, uh, you know, outperforming a bit. So I think that that trade is in, is in full effect for kind of the, the dogs at the end of the year. So yeah, I do use that trade. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go out there and buy every underperformer because I'm more of a trend trader and I like to yeah. see the trends, but you know, a couple of them that you think are really beaten up, I think is, is not a bad idea for the first, you know, I think seasonal trading is going to be big uh, next year. You buy in winter, you buy in spring, you buy in summer, then you buy in the fall again. That's indeed that's the seasonal trading. But Christian, you've been on the show a lot, but uh, you are on a roll today. I really appreciate uh, the homework you did, Spencer. Are we ready? Yeah, Christian. I want to say thanks uh, for joining us. Have a great rest of your day and your decade. I guess we will talk to you in uh, 2020. Thanks, guys. A pleasure. All right. All right. Uh, 8.37 now. Let's go to our next guest because she's here, Anne-Marie Band. She is a nice. market technician. She runs the tradingbook.com. Anne-Marie, uh, good morning. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you, gentlemen? We're doing okay. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you uh, taking time out of what is, for most people at least, a, a holiday uh, shortened week. So, Anne-Marie, let's get uh, one good long idea for 2020 from you. You know what? I like cybersecurity. Um, I really, really do. been watching it since the beginning of uh, last year and watching it climb. The biggest one that I like is CyberArk, C-Y-B-R. It's really been running. Splunk is also another good one that's running. You know, I don't like to take these things way up high and we are going to have a little shakeout. So if I have had a really good year in the market, if I sell before the 31st, I'm going to have to pay a tax bill for capital gains. But if I sell after the 1st, then I get to put off all my tax, my capital gains to next tax season. And so my thought is, hey, listen, watch for some of these guys pulling back a little bit. We've got CyberArk on screen. I can see it. Yeah. And so you'll notice there's that big gap down there and it could come there. So my, my favorite way to trade this one is by selling short puts because I'm willing to accumulate the stock at lower prices and so if it doesn't fill i make some money on it um i'm keeping it for the longer haul if you're looking for the etf that has it that's hack but there are a few in there that really are not moving the way cyber arc is and that that really i think cybersecurity is going to be something that we continue to really have to be beef up on because all of the data that you read from a security perspective says that we are sitting around um, being very, very complacent about this aspect. And there are a lot of bigger companies, you know, certainly banks are very focused on this sort of thing, but soon 
just a lot of people are really going to get a jolt here. I think that's probably the big surprise of uh, 2020, 2021, that uh, somebody gives us really good jolt from um, a security perspective. Just what, real quick, why CyberArk and not another one of these names, Fortinet, FireEye, et cetera, et cetera? Okay. You know, that's – go ahead. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, he was just yeah. another one. Yep. You know, for me, I just picked one that had great fundamentals and was holding their levels, had come off of a drop and then stabilized at that 100 base. So it looked to me like buyers had said, hey, listen, I see that we shot up to 100 there, 150 and you know, now we've pulled back. It's a 50% retrace, beautiful Fibonacci expansion, pulls right down to the 100 mark, stabilizes. I just, I like it. Now the cheaper ones, certainly, um, why not? I would just look for good fundamentals in this space. They might get sucked up by somebody who says, hey, I'm looking for good technology. I don't want to build it on my own. So I'm going to start buying some of these. So we might also start seeing some kind of consolidation in this business because there are a lot of little ones that are doing fairly well that some big ones are going to start snapping up and saying, hey, listen, we, we're going to be the powerhouse here. And what about a short idea? What is your big short for 2020? <laughs> Well, I was going to say cannabis, but those are almost close to zero anyway. <laughs> they're low enough so. now. <laughs> low enough. You don't want to pick on them anymore? You don't want to kick them while they're down? <laughs> Can I tell you, I, I think it's going to be Bitcoin. Um, oh, and I know, <laughs> I know I'm know, i getting hate mail right now. <laughs> yeah. I you're, not, you're not a that. crypto believer here? You know, uh, because I spent so much time reading history and how, um, how power disseminates itself from a political space, um, yeah, I'm not. I think cryptos eventually go to zero. Listen, it's beautiful in its idea, but to sound a little bit like a conspiracy theorist, People in power want to stay in power, and if you put something in place that allows money to move without them managing it, look out. So that's my philosophy there. Um, and it's only because I, I love history. So, you know, I just, I love it. And so we watch, we watch money flows in and out, and as long as government can control the flow of money and exercise its moves in and out, which the notion of Bitcoin or any kind of crypto, it's free exchange, governments do not want that to happen. If governments do not have control of money, they do not have power in the system, and so they're going to continue to do that. So sorry about my Alex Jones rant there. I don't need for that to happen. But, you know, uh, that, that's my reasoning uh, in the crypto space. All right. Anne-Marie Ban is the author of thetradingbook.com. Great market technician. Great follow on Twitter at Anne-Marie Trades. Anne-Marie, have a Thanks great rest of your year. Out. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you Thanks in for having the me. New Year. Same to you. Thank right. you. Bye-bye. Have a good one. All right. Uh, we are rolling through 843. So we got to – Two minutes before – do I need a break? Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. No, we're all good. We're, we're, we're rolling. Wait, our guests are here. Well, let's wait a minute and um, just wait for all that information to sink in. I, I did, I did want to – real quick before we ran out of time, I want to hit on that WCC AXE news that we talked about sure. this last week. And um, headline. I was out yesterday. Right. So there was a new headline from yesterday after the close, WCC, uh, Wesco. Um, they have increased uh, their offer to buy AXE from 90, 90 bucks to ninety three fifty a share in cash and stock. Got a little so, bidding war here happening. Yep. So th this uh, this story is not going away just yet. Tell me, I shouldn't have sold my AXE shares there. I should have held on. 
92 bid this morning here. So it is up again as the little bidding war for AXE continues. Eventually is going to get a deal done here. And I think it's going to get done at a price uh, pretty soon. I don't think it's going to keep going back. Uh, talking but, with Brester last week, he doesn't yeah. think that private equity is going to give in so easy, you know, on this one. So that's what you're seeing here. Uh, but, uh, yep. They're battling. Yep. Up a buck 77 at 9210. S&P's just hit uh, 3254. That's above my top number on my sheet. So there's resistance, uh, 32.54. Still trading up eight handles at 32.52.50. Right, eight, uh, 22.18 was announced. 21.42, pulling back a little bit from the highs here. Again, short squeeze central. Eventually, this ends badly. I feel like it's starting to leak here already. That you know, I don't know if it's today that it ends badly, but eventually it's going to have a really ugly candle. And it will give you a good reference point that pre-market high. The longer it takes. What's the pre-market high right now? Oh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's mark this down here. Twenty-two forty-four. So writing that down on my sheet of paper. Twenty-two forty-four. It has significance at least right now. For now, for the moment. All right, let's bring on our next guest of the day, Dan Foreman. He is the executive director and global technology sector strategist at Olive Tree Financial. Uh, Dan, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How how's your has your holiday season been? Good. Excellent. Thank you very much. Happy New Year to both of you. Same to you. Same to you. So Dan, let's get uh, one good long idea for 2020 out of you. Sure. So um, the idea that I have is a little bit of a smaller cap company. So I just want to preface the comments with the perspective that you know this is a thematic idea. So it's a bit of a speculative idea. So just to kind of put proper disclaimer language around it. Um, that said, uh, I've been following this company for many years now, um, a company called Amberella, ticker AMBA. It's a $2 billion market cap. Um, and the company basically has been self-funding uh, the move into computer vision. So they've spent about $300 million of cumulative R&D uh, to enter into new end markets. And the real exciting opportunity here, in addition to surveillance, um, is the automotive end market. So the company uh, had acquired their way into this market many years ago through an acquisition called VizLab. Um, and this acquisition is starting to bear fruit. So um, from a from a short-term perspective, we have a few catalysts. The company is going to be at CES in January, and they're going to demonstrate some of these new technologies. So if you go through the company's press releases, you'll see detail uh, on December 19th regarding what the company is going to be demonstrating. Uh, so they will do uh, they will demonstrate their self-drive their their automated driving technology. So that's usually an exciting opportunity for this particular company. Uh, the stock has had a history of sort of trading up into CES and then trading down coming out, and it is a volatile trader. So I want to make sure that you know your audience understands that the stock can exhibit some volatility. However, that pattern broke last year, and the stock traded up coming out of CES because we're getting closer to uh, you know this market becoming real. So uh, so so that's kind of the big picture perspective. Other than that, the company's going to be doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings with investors at CES. I believe they're at a number of conferences. If you look at uh, the headlines, I believe Needham, Needham is, they're going to be with Needham, they're going to be with Nomura, uh, and then they're actually going to be with us in New York on November 15th. So I'll have an opportunity personally to spend some time uh, at least with investor relations, not necessarily the CEO and the CFO. So I'll be able to get an update myself. And what I really like about this stock is that you know it's a, it's a two to three year kind of investment theme around an absolutely massive market opportunity in the automotive end market. So their TAM is seeing massive expansion. Um, so that's the basic concept. And technically, if you jump to a weekly, I actually like what I'm watching on the weekly. It's got a kind of triangular breakout. Um, and I think eventually we're going to make new highs on a short-term basis. So just a, this is a play on the self-driving are. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, they've, they've announced tier one parts wins like Hella, who supply into the European end markets. Um, you know, the risk to this story, just to be clear, is that the vast majority of revenues are coming from China surveillance market. And so this has been a trade war stock that's been news flow driven around trade war. But I think the company has done an ex excellent job of managing through what's a very volatile uh, dynamic. And so I think analysts at this point have been kind of very proactive about making sure that consensus is modeled properly for the company's exposure to that China end market 
for surveillance. So the company has two very large customers. One is Hike Vision and one is, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, Dawa, it's D-U-H-U-A, Dawa, um, who both supply to this surveillance market in China. We're on the line with Dan Foreman of Olive Tree Financials. Dan, we, we're talking about bullish stuff. Do you, anything that you're looking at on the short side or anything that's you know you want to stay away from in sure money uh first off let me say i hate to be a hater so uh, i i don't really love to be a a dedicated short seller uh on any level but you know if you're going to look for short ideas i think you want to look to either legacy technology vendors like you know for example a company like hp enterprise where basically you have zero growth um, or close to zero growth, uh, you know, if they were to do something strategically and, you know, make an interesting move from, a, from an M&A perspective, that might change my opinion if, if they were to, you know, do something exciting. But for the time being, I think the company is basically exhibiting almost no growth. And I don't think you have risk on the short side of a takeout, which is one of the big issues if you're a short seller that you have to worry about. Um, and so I think the stock may continue to sort of underperform and trade sideways. And who else would you put now? Would you throw like your Cisco and your Intel? No, I actually like Cisco at these levels. Um, so Cisco is a, a bit of a different animal in my opinion, uh, especially as we move into, you know, sort of the 5G cycle. But um, I would put companies like Network Appliance into this bucket, although I prefer Network Appliance to HP Enterprise. HP Enterprise is, you know, just basically a very large company um, with no growth. And there's not too much really under the covers, in my opinion, that's all that exciting there. They've been very acquisitive, but you're talking about, you know, close to $30 billion in annualized revenues. So this is, a, this is a big company that's just showing no growth. All right, Dan Foreman uh, is executive director and global technology sector strategist at Olive Tree Financial. Always super well informed on the fundamentals. Does his research, does his homework. Uh, perhaps one of our better fundamental guests, one of our best fundamental guests, I would say that that we have on the show, especially for technology. So Dan, have a great rest of your year. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you again in 2020. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Uh, that brings us to. Uh, we got a few minutes. Someone just asked about IBM, and boy, oh boy. Sleepy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I guess it's okay for the year if you bought this on the uh, last trading day of 2018. Where did we close at on the monthlies here? In December, we closed at 113.67. You're at 134. Okay. But I mean. It's okay, but I mean, you know. The one thing, and you know, I go on a two-minute tangent about this, though, is everybody's talking about how good of a year it was in 2019. But we had a pretty, uh, you know, for, for putting it in perspective, and especially when you look at this IBM chart, um, you know, was this a rip, roar, and rally all year in IBM? No, it was just, you know, we were getting back the losses from November and December. So uh, same thing with the SPs. I mean, you look at it, yeah, we closed very strong in the last month or two, but really, you know, we started the year very weak and we, you know, for the first, you know, half of the year, it was just about getting the losses back from 2018. And then, you know, in the last month and a half is really where we've tacked on some pretty good gains. But really, you know, and this gives an argument to JC's theory too. Really, when you put it in perspective, since the end of 2017 till the middle of 2019, the S&Ps were in consolidation. We never went anywhere. So we really just started rip-roaring and rallying and breaking out here in the last two months. So if you think, you know, this breakout holds, uh, I can get on board with JC saying you're kind of in the first inning of a new bull market. And, you know, you start looking here, and we often look, you know, to the other, you can jump over and look at, you know, like the EEM and look at, you know, even Canadian stocks. All the other indices are starting to look and show some life here, too. I mean, EEM has been dead money here for a decade, and a lot of currency effects in there as well. So maybe it's not the best thing to look at because of the currency effects. But still, I mean, there's been a, you know, a lot of you know, international markets that have not participated nearly as well in the last decade. I mean, Europe's been a mess for a number of years. If you start to see some life over in these markets, you could see how this bull market could just be getting started. I can see JC's argument here. I know I don't know about rates going to 3%. I'm not going to comment on that. But the, the thing about equities, you know, potentially just getting started here, I'm kind of on board with that. And that's why I'm almost fully invested here still. All right, let's uh, go ahead a minute early here and bring on uh, what I expect will be our final guest uh, of the day and, and of the year for that matter, uh, Kenny Glick, a.k.a. 
uh, the Warlock. He's uh, from HitTheBid.com and uh, HitTheBid uh, Radio last joined us at the uh, Benzinga Global Fintech Awards in was that November? I can't even remember now. It seems like a seems like a long time ago now. But Kenny, good morning. Hey. Yeah, Kenny. What's up? How are you guys? No, I'm, we're just hanging out. You know, just you know, right just on. hanging out. So am I. Okay, cool. <laughs> How's what? Bob? How's Bob doing in the background? Oh, Bob's great, yeah. I also found that my the, the game that started it all for me, the stock market game. My dad got that for his birthday when he was about 30. And uh, we never opened it. That game alone is worth $250 on eBay, apparently. Let's but crack that it got me intrigued. Right and I, crack it uh, open right now. This is, usually we have games on Friday. This is perfect. Take this stuff home to your house already. <laughs> so there it is. What's up? How was the holidays? Holidays are good, Kenny. Holidays are good. Uh, give us uh, one of your good bullish long ideas for 2020 can i can i make a guess can i make a guess i guess the diamonds you're close okay (laughs) i'm gonna stick with i'm gonna stick with the reason i'm bringing up my dad my dad uh we we you know we got into the qqq during the you know the the downest uh, part of this decade you know 2009 and uh we bought a little bit more but never really added to it I think we're just going to continue on. Our, our goal was to get to 250 on the QQQ. Now, I don't know if you guys are talking about percentage gainers or point-wise. You know, as a, as a trader, I'm always looking for points over, over percentage gainers. But I love the Qs. I mean, you can't go wrong. You know, I love the diamonds. And what I've learned about this market, and I'll get to my most hated stock on the planet in a second, think about this market. It's still hard to find individual opportunities when – most of this market has been, you know, it's a good selection of 200 stocks out of the, what, 8,000, 9,000 to choose from that have really powered this market up. So I'm not going to try to find the individual stock. I'll stick with the Qs. But if you need one individual stock, uh, the biotechs have been really kind to me this year. Uh, there was a stock, AXSM, which absolutely has blown my mind. What looked like a pump and dump at one point. Wow. Um, has become a real, real amazing uh, stock. So on that note, I've been looking at a couple of other ones that have been had these monster moves, and the one I'm looking at is AUPH, and I'm still in this thing from this gap, you know, above that 16 level. And because it hasn't dumped like you normally see, I started investigating this company. It seems like it's a legit stock. We've already had a high of 25 on that first uh, pop. So I assume that we're going to get back to 25. And if we get to 25, most of these biotech stocks, you'll see them in the 40s or 50s. So I'm loving this thing right now. And it has options. So I'm hedged. Got a nice position in it right now. And I'm looking for a stock to at least get to 25. And then we'll see what happens there because that'll be another blue sky breakout. So right there between the Qs and AUPH, my two, my two top holdings right now. And I don't really have anything else. But What about on the downside here? I'm going to go ahead and say U.S. Steel because I've been duped. I was, I was thinking about that. I've been duped. I was promised America was being made great again. We were going to get infrastructure going. We were going to save the world. We were going to save U.S. Steel, and I was lied to. So now, if your stock hasn't rallied in these last two or three months, you already have a – you know you have a dog. I think we're going right back down to six bucks. And then, yeah, guess what? Remember Bethlehem Steel? Of course you don't. Well, they used to be in the Dow. They got kicked out and they went out of business. U.S. Steel's going to zero, people. And I'm going to get my revenge. They say revenge trading doesn't work. You know what? I crushed this thing yesterday when it broke back under 12. And you know what? I'm looking for this thing to go to $5 and then zero. If you have a stock that hasn't rallied in the last three months in this market, your stock stinks. You might as well dump it and pound it and make your money back. Such a great point you're making. And, you know, just looking at the relative performance here, I mean, the, the dividend slash here, and now obviously, yeah. the, you know, the disappointment here going forward. I mean, below 10 bucks, it's ugly. But you're right. If you're, if you're in this rip roaring bull market and your stock's going down in this, you're in the wrong stock. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the trend continues. You know, again, the only thing that's going to save this company is maybe, uh, I don't know, Sir Larry comes along and starts gobbling it up and with, uh, you know, Anacott Steel. I don't know if they're ever going to turn this thing around <laughs> because I've been, I've been fooled for many a year and I want my money back. So I've been shorting U.S. Steel on the way down here. You know, I, I was long. Again, I was trading it really nicely in that little range that between 12.50 and 14, selling puts, selling calls, doing short straddles, taking in some income. But – 
you know, once it broke down into 1250, the jig is up for me. I think we're easily going to see 10 bucks and then 750 and then possibly, you know, again, it does happen, kids. Stocks, companies do go out of business and this could be the next one. Kenny, one, one call that you've had right ever since I've even, you know, I've been talking with you guys for the last five years is AMD. You've been all over this. I mean, this has been an unbelievable last two months for AMD from 27 to 47 here very, very quickly. Thoughts on AMD? Can the run continue in 2020 or is it time to start booking some profits? We still haven't hit, we have, we still haven't hit all time highs in AMD. You know, I've been trading for a while. If you take a look at Sirius Logic, that was a, back in the day when I started trading, it was AMD and Krusty. And Krusty has taken off and has blasted off. I think AMD still has more room to go. Uh, and another high flyer that, you know, I think I might have mentioned it again, I wish I would have done this about two weeks ago, but Tesla. I mean, the shorts are getting crushed. Gosh. And I think, again, now that this is broken over that 385, you, you still have so much more upside to this stock considering it was at 385 before they made any money. I think the smartest thing they could do over there is get this thing to 500, do a five for one split. And every mom and pop that doesn't own this thing is going to gobble it up at hundred dollars a share. And you're looking at a stock that could be valued at 800 bucks. I know that sounds absurd, but think about the environment that we're in. People are looking to chase this performance. They want to be involved. I, I love, I love these ones. I love AMD still. And I still love Tesla. I mean, even here, $435, you give me a pullback, I'm buying it. But uh, it's, it's, it's a fantastic market, so you might as well go with what's winning. So, Does it mean, uh, and this is totally off technicals and off fundamentals and everything, but a couple different people have mentioned it, you know, going into an election year, is that, I mean, historically, the election years have been pretty good for the market. I mean, where we're at now, I mean, it's, is that changing? I mean, it's all 10, 11 months away. I mean, that doesn't really change your perspective on anything, does it? No, and not really. I, I've been, you know, again, most of the time when I've been on the show, I've been talking about being in cash because I, I love trading for the day. My VWAP setups have been working extraordinary. Uh, but I'm not going to fight the market. Thank God I haven't been shorting. You know, a lot of times I would put some money on the short side. I might be, I was slightly bearish, so I just went into cash. I feel like I've missed out, obviously, on, you know, Tesla was one of my holdings, and I, I can't believe I let this thing go. But I don't think anything's going to change. I think we're going to do exactly what we're doing. My only fear is that these last three months have been so exceptional that we might start next year off on a down note, which might spook some people. Again, the whole idea that how January goes, so goes the market. But I think it's going to – We just if we get that one more dip and get those skeptics to go short a little bit bigger – and then we will crush those shorts again for 2020 and another 15 or 20 percent year. And again, I, I'm thinking the Q's, you know, at least 40 more points. So I think 250 on the QQQ is very doable by by uh, end of next year. All right, we've been on with Kenny Glick from HitTheBid.com. Kenny, hope you're having a good holiday season. Have a great rest of your year. We'll talk to you again in 2020. All right, guys. Happy New Thanks, Year. Kenny. Be safe. Love you guys. All right, nine oh three. That's that's I it. Think no Raz. Gonna be it. No, I don't think so. Jason, I I I didn't think this was gonna happen. Jason is in Hawaii. It is like four a.m. where he is. Uh, so <laughs> that I, alarm for us. I I don't think he's gonna wake up at four a.m. to to hang out with us. <laughs> oh. So I, and I I can't say I blame him. He's on vacation. He's gonna call at nine oh six. He's gonna say, "Why aren't I on?" He's gonna call he's got- at nine oh six his time, which is like. One, like noon or one hour time. Uh, so at, on that note, though, I want to thank everyone, all of our guests today uh, for joining us. Uh, Kenny Glick, Dan Foreman, and Reband, Christian Fraunhertz, and J.C. Peretz. Uh, guys, from either of you, any, any final thoughts uh, for the year? Uh, this year? For this current year? I mean, it's been a great year. Any final market. thoughts for, about anything, Joel? What's on your mind? No, no. I mean, all-time highs here. Uh, we'll see 32.54. I mean, you can't you can't give resistance when there's no resistance, right, um, in the market. So if anybody is looking for trying to pick a top, maybe get a double top, triple top. But we haven't even had those formations lately. It's just a new high. 
by you know a wide margin. The other thing I would just keep an eye on, not so much like the intraday um, highs and lows and everything, but you always keep an eye on that closing price, the all-time closing price. It's much more significant. That's where the uh, you know institutions are marked at, and they lead to consolidations. Period. So, Dennis, any any final thoughts from you? Uh, just tax loss selling. Remember the January effect. Anne Marie came in and talked a little bit about it. If you're a Canadian, Canadians go by the settle date. So your last day for tax loss selling is actually today. So if you're sitting on a big pot stock loss here and you want to book it for 2019, today is your last day. U.S. typically go. I believe they go by trade date. So you still have till the 31st. Uh, so that's the difference in the accounting, uh, the way the accounting's done between Canada and the U.S. Um, one thing to consider with the pot stocks here is they have not participated at all. You've definitely seen some tax loss selling coming in these stocks in the last few days because if you look even with the market going up, they've been going down. Sometimes you see these trades reverse for the first week or two in January um, yeah. as the tax loss selling will stop for some of these cannabis stocks. Sometimes some of the leaders, like Anne-Marie was saying, might pull back because if you're sitting there with a big gain on Apple, you definitely don't want to take that gain um, probably until the, you know, the 2nd of January there. So sometimes you see where you'll actually have some of the leaders lag in the first few days in January. So just be cautious as you're coming in to the January effect. If you're chasing here on the couple last days, remember sometimes, it doesn't always have to happen, but sometimes those trades do reverse just because of the, of the tax loss selling implications there. And again, just as Amory was saying, if you sell on a huge gain, why sell it on the 31st if you can sell it on the 1st and pay the taxes next year? So those are all considerations and those are edges that I actively trade and try to take advantage of those inefficiencies. All right. If you missed any part of our show, you can rewatch it on youtube.com slash Benzinga TV or catch our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or tune in by searching for pre-market prep on any of those platforms. Please remember, especially on a day like today, all the information and recommendations, et cetera, et cetera, on this show are used for informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. Uh, that's it for, for us for the year and for the decade. I won't hear otherwise. Yes, this is the end of the decade. We did not celebrate the new millennium in 2001. We did it in 2000. Decades end on the nine. Start on the zero. So this is the end of the decade, and I won't hear otherwise. Everyone, have a great rest of your year. Happy New Year to all of you. We'll be back with you in 2020.